kid. Hold, hold on. Rachel, you ready? Yep. Let's play ball. So I know that you uh, graduated from UCLA as a student athlete, then went on to become a loyal lawyer. You worked on uh, player salary uh, arbitration cases, and now you're an agent. So can you tell us about uh, a little bit more about your path and why you made some of those career choices? Yeah, so um, kind of like you said, um, I was an athlete um, during college. Um, I was a gymnast from the age of two until like forever, um, like 22. Um, and so that was kind of, my, obviously my whole life has been sports um, and well, largely gymnastics. And um, while I was at UCLA, um, you know, the student athlete communities are usually pretty tight knit. Um, and so my dorm, my freshman year happened to be um, on the same floor as a bunch of the baseball players. So I got to know them. I also grew up with three brothers. So I was always kind of used to just hanging out with guys. Um, so they became good friends of mine, um, a bunch of them. And then uh, gymnastics, I guess, unlike baseball, um, is very hard to make a like career out of it um, because you kind of peak at the age of, you know, 14, 15, 16, um, and your body can't really do it any longer. So it's really hard to make a career. So I always kind of knew and focused on school as well. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do something in um, the sports world. I just wasn't exactly sure what. Um, and then, you know, getting to know um, a lot of the baseball players, I realized, like, I, I the idea of basically, like, becoming an agent um, kind of came to the surface. And from there, I spoke with um, a few agents that I was connected with while I was in, uh, sorry, while I was at UCLA, um, some of my friends that had agents. And a lot of them kind of, uh, like when I told them, you know, about I wanted to be an agent, there really aren't any female agents. So they all kind of um, like dismissed it or like strongly suggested that that's probably not the best path. And I always got kind of pigeonholed into being like, you know, oh, but you could be a marketing agent, right? Because that's what the females do. Like they do the marketing, which like I love that too. And I also saw like a lot of, um, you know, areas on and off the field that I think a lot of agents miss out on opportunities to um, monetize players. So like a lot of that kind of interested me, but I also just, I don't know, my competitive kind of personality, um, what I was always like, it bothered me that like, why can't I be an agent too? Um, and so that was kind of like when I had uh, my mindset on, all right, like I want, now, like I want to actually negotiate contracts. Like, I don't know why I can't do that. Um, so I got advice basically like, from one of the agents. Um, like if I wanted anyone to take me seriously to go to law school um, and get a law degree. So that was basically why I went to law school. Um, like all my personal statements when applying to law school was very specific um, and clear. Like I'm going to law school because I want to be an agent for baseball. Um, so my law school experience was a little bit different 
Um, not like I still took all those, you know, like classes or, like trial practice and definitely, um, you know, got my hands involved with, you know, different areas of the law. But whenever like the summer, um, you know, internships and summer associate positions like came along, I always just passed them up for, you know, working for free and being an intern so that I could, you know, eventually be an agent. Um, so I ended up, yeah, going to law school. Um, I took the bar exam, passed that. That was miserable, but glad that's out of the way. And um, ended up just kind of kept knocking on doors. It got really, like, stressful just when, you know, you a lawyer and your friends are all have these big high paying jobs with lawyers and like you're begging people kind of to like give you a chance and like let you work for free so just kept like knocking on doors and then um eventually um a guy who's like a very big attorney in um the baseball world um handles a lot of like player grievances and things like that with agents and teams um, I met him. He was actually a judge at a competition I did in law school for salary arbitration. Um, so I met him, um, and we always like kept in touch. So, um, I was having to be in Cleveland like one summer and I drove out to Pittsburgh where he's based and basically like knocked on his door and, you know, took him to lunch and got him to give me an opportunity basically just helping with all the salary arbitration cases that he has um, and creating a database for that. And then after spending time doing that, he recommended me for a job at the union. And so I worked there and got a bunch of experience there. And then got to see like the good, the bad, the ugly of like the agent world. And these agents that I did, I used to put on a pedestal. I kind of realized like, you know, there was a lot of things wrong. Um, and a lot of things that just weren't done well. And these guys, like, I don't know, it, gave me, it definitely gave me a lot of confidence, I think, being at the PA because I realized, like, I can do this job for sure. Um, so I took the agent exam um, and then decided uh, to become an agent. So here I am. So Trevor Bauer said he's only interested in making one-year deals. So do you think that these types of trends are going to uh, be a uh, – bigger in, in baseball as continue as it continues to evolve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you already saw that. I mean, he put it out there, obviously, a few years ago, um, like this idea. But you even saw it happen last year, um, you know, even with Josh Donaldson, right, with the Braves. Um, and, I mean, you have Keichel. He was on, like, half a, half a year deal kind of thing. But I think players, again, these this wasn't necessarily just, Josh Donaldson's might have been kind of by choice um, to give himself a year to really play and perform so he could sign a longer deal. Um, but look, like I think the long, like teams got smarter and they kind of saw that it just, it didn't make sense. You're, you were paying these players for what they already did and signing them to these very long deals. And on the back end, right, like you, you lost money, like they were not producing for you. And that's just the reality of it. So it just doesn't make, like, the teams looked at it from a business decision. It just doesn't make sense. Like, why am I going to, like, do these really long deals when I can pay much less for these controlled guys who perform usually better? And, you know, so I think, look, like, that's the reality of it. So, I, I mean, eventually I think players, players are, like, 
and agents obviously are very much fighting back against it right now. Um, and I do think there needs to be changes just in general in the system, but I think that, yeah, like it's gonna, I think you're going to see a trend of just shorter deals, but higher, um, average annual value. And that's exactly what, I mean, Trevor wants to do it purely by choice and because it is a way to maximize your, um, earnings, assuming you're betting on yourself, right? So like if you perform well and you're like expecting that you are going to be healthy and perform well, then a shorter deal, they can give you more money, right? Because it's not, they don't have a commitment to you for as long. So they'll maybe pay you more and it's obviously for a shorter term. Whereas when players want the security of like the long-term deal, they're going to make less money overall because they have the benefit of having that security for a long term. So, yeah, but to answer your question, yes, I think that's going to be a, a definitely like a shift in how contracts. So um, we're, we're seeing more yeah. and more young talent coming into the MLB, yet many, many of these guys are not even getting paid for the type of uh, production that they're generating until years later. So, and, and then they, we see many free agents not even getting paid at, at all. So do you see any ways right. to fix some of these in- issues that we're having? Um, I think this is a, like, that's a great point. And it's a huge problem. Um, I, I mean, look from a player side and advocating on their behalf, uh, absolutely. Like they shouldn't be controlled nearly as long. They're controlled, he's controlled for six years, sometimes seven, right. If they can manipulate their service time, um, which, you know, I don't know if you've noticed how they do that. Um, but they do, right. So they can control these guys. I mean, Trevor, for instance, will be controlled for seven years um, and they're not getting paid their actual market value. So, I mean, the first thing is the, you know, changing, you know, even if it's controlling them for only five years or things like that. Um, obviously, you know, or, you know, even doing something, I guess, where, you know, arbitration. So the way arbitration salaries are negotiated, it's based on this very antiquated market. That's very stagnant. So if you look at kind of, um, you know, without going into how and like the complexities of how arbitration works, basically their players are only allowed to um, compare themselves to try to show their worth um, based on players in the past and what they've done. And so what happens is like the market never moves because you always are looking to players in the past and what they were paid. And then just arguing you should make basically the same because your performance is the same. And so it's very hard and it's very slow to see like any sort of um, just movement in the market. Um, and whereas like in the free agent market and the open market, you have inflation, you just see salaries, just, you know, performance um, might still kind of be the same, but the salaries are always kind of increasing. So I think if you could change, I guess, how we evaluate players in the arbitration process and if we evaluate them more, um, you know, in ter- like in terms of a market that moves and is more, um, you know, in line with their value in current day, then I think that would help to give them more money. Um, but all of these things are going to be so difficult look like the players don't have much to bargain with at this point. Um, and so it like a strike is definitely possible. 
So as a freshman in high school, I know nothing yet about how to find, uh, how agents work other than some of the guys I've trained with have them. So when and how does one go about finding them? Yeah, so a lot of time, I mean, a lot of agents, you know, they have their recruiters and they they go out and it gets earlier and earlier um, and younger and younger when they're kind of, um, you know, trying to recruit these players. And they're basically everything from, I mean, they're at showcases to just, usually what happens is the players, the young kids that are kind of the superstars or, you know, that are already, have already kind of made themselves well-known, agents will be hounding after them to try to get them as a commitment kind of thing. And, you know, look, like, you only, you don't really need one. Um, I mean, assuming, like, you know, having an agent is helpful, obviously, if you're going to go right from, you know, you're going to go in the draft and right out of college or right out of high school and not go to college. But uh, a lot of time, right now, even for the draft, agents, it changed recently. So agents really don't do much in terms of the draft, um, although they might say they do. Um, they really have not a lot of power um, to do anything in the draft. So really all it is is like an advisor. And a lot of these guys, We'll have an agent or whatever, or it's called, I guess, an advisor, um, you know, through college, through high school or college, but you pay them nothing. Um, they basically are kind of trying to, like, they're kind of gambling on these kids and hoping if they see these stars that, you know, one day they think are going to end up making a lot of money in arbitration and free agency, um, then, you know, that they'll stick around with them. But in general, um, you know, you could always reach out to, you know, some of the agents if you want to talk to them, if you have questions. But in general, I would say that you probably, you know, don't need one in high school, um, especially, like, you know, if you're planning on going to college. So our final question here, you seem to travel to a lot of ballparks. So what is your favorite ballpark and what is your favorite ballpark meal? Ooh, that's a good question. So I'm I'm biased, but like my favorite ballpark would be AT and T, or I guess now it's Oracle. Um, so San Francisco. Obviously, that was my home team growing up. Um, but I also think it's a beautiful ballpark. Um, but I also I like I love I think Rogers Center is really cool. Um, I think Kansas City's ballpark is pretty cool. Um, like I definitely have um, a bunch that I like. Um, I definitely do not like the Coliseum for the Oakland A's, but you know, that they know it's a problem. So that would be my, those are my like kind of favorite ballparks. Oh, also the Atlanta Braves ballpark. I just went to for the first time recently. And that one is so cool. Um, the whole like town little thing around it. It's awesome. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. Um, my favorite meal, this is going to sound bad, but I go to so many games and like, yeah, I just spend way too much time there that I, I don't even remember the last time I actually ate like, um, a ballpark meal. Um, sometimes like if I'm in like a suite, I guess that has like food provided, I eat that, but I usually have my own snacks or whatever. I like, I don't know. So usually it's, so unhealthy the food there so I kind of avoid it so that's really bad but um 
I do like, you know, popcorn. If I'm going to, if that's like, if I have to choose one thing. Perfect. Thank you so much for playing ball. Yep, of course. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.